episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I am your host, as always, Jeremy, here trying to make the world seem a little more normal. And tonight, we might achieve that a little bit, actually. I know I say that all the time, and then we never do, but tonight we actually might achieve that. So we'll see how it goes. But of course, to help me do that is a guest, as always. And my guest tonight is Rob Gutro, who is a, I said the last name right? I forgot to ask about that. Gutro, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad. Um, he is an author of many, many books, which we'll get into later. He is a paranormal investigator and a medium slash pet medium, which I, not my first pet medium, but I definitely love talking to them because they're always interesting stories. So pleasure to have you on, Rob. How are you doing well, tonight? Good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. This is a treat. Of course, I, I'm always happy to talk to different people in the paranormal world in my podcast. And when I read your, when I read the information you submitted, I was like, "Ooh, definitely an interesting one." I gotta have him on. So, but to start things off, the first question I ask everybody, and I'm sure you already know this, but what got you into the paranormal world? Well, I was kind of thrust into the paranormal world, and it was unexpected. Um, it was back when I was a teenager, uh, and it, I think that one of your previous guests mentioned the same thing happened to her. Um, my grandfather appeared to me about six or seven months after he died, and he appeared to me in full color. <clears throat> and being home by myself with the family dog, uh, I was scared. I was petrified. So I ran out of the house, <laughs> and <laughs> I waited for my parents to come home, and I told them. And my mother wasn't surprised. So I found out that she had the ability and that it ran in her side of the family. Um, she never used it though, because she was afraid of it. So I kind of buried it for a long, long time after that. Which that happens a lot from what I've been told in the past. It does either our parents don't want to talk about that type of stuff or they don't understand it fully. And they just kind of tell people to hush it up which is not a not the best approach in my mind but i mean for the t for the t for the time when it happened that's very understandable so in terms of what happened in my family my, because my mother understood that the the gift because she heard her mother after her mother passed away um and she was just afraid but with me um i it wasn't that i was afraid of it i just didn't i was surprised by it after I thought about it. Um, and then I just got busy with life. I went to college, I got a career uh, and, and things happen. And when you're distracted, you tend to tune those things out. And that's what happened to me until my puppy passed away in 2005 and he reawakened everything and he basically blew the doors off the other side for me. And I started communicating with him and people right afterward so it's crazy well of course i'm sorry to hear about the puppy because i just actually i actually, I actually just recently had a puppy die back in um september and at 18, at 18 weeks old it was very heartbreaking but oh my gosh i'm so sorry he, yeah he well he didn't really so much die it's had to get put down because he was born with misshapen kidneys and there was no way to fix it they don't do organ transplants like that in dogs yet so and even if they did, I can't imagine how much that would cost. So, I mean, it gets to a point where you said you have to say goodbye to a little fella. But well, at least at least he found you and your family who understood what had to happen and to, for his benefit. So um, that's that takes an incredible amount of courage to help your dog pass out of pain. Um, and and they always thank me from the other side. They always say thank you to their pet parents for for finding that courage because it means you learned their lesson which was unconditional love so yeah poor poor little guy too he was so happy that one day we went to say goodbye to him he was so happy to see us but you could just tell he was not happy he was suffering and in pain like he just he never got big he got like he was a mastiff and even at 18 weeks old he was still only like 18 20 pounds so wow. yeah and we we have two other mastiffs still so like we knew right away something was wrong if he's not getting big like immediately they always get, they always get, they always get huge as puppies 
and I hear I hear your dog in the background as well. <laughs> yeah, it's one of three in the background. Oh yeah, if I trust me, if I didn't take mine out just now, you would already hear them barking probably. So, but so your dog died, and that kind of rewoken your paranormal side and rewoken your abilities. And how? Well, just I I know how, but just tell the listeners how you've been using those in a general way since. So it 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 took a while to figure out what to do with all this. Um, when my puppy passed away, I used to keep a journal. Um, and that was a good thing because as it turned out, I would write down every single thing that happened. And I realized that none of these things are coincidental. When it comes to spirits on the other side, making things happen, there's no such thing as a coincidence. So you may think you see, um, you see something that relates to a person or pet in spirit, and it really does. And it's because that person or pet in spirit influenced you to go there at that very moment, that very day, that very hour, and see exactly what they want you to see. So you'll be reminded of them. Which, so, it's funny It's funny you say that, because for weeks after he passed, my wife could have swore like she smelled him in the room like he was still next to her. So, and... I was like, it's. I told her, I'm like, it's possible. I mean, I mm -hmm. I talked to enough people to know that's entirely possible. So, I mean, yeah, it is. And I've spoken to a number of pet parents that uh, have conveyed that their pets' scent uh, will mysteriously appear in the home, and usually it's around a birthday, anniversary, or holiday, or right after their passing. So, scent is one of the ways, one of the many ways uh, that pets will let us know that they are there. Um, so was it right after he passed? Literally for like days to weeks after he passed, like my wife would just get a random like sniff of his scent and like I would say smell his toy or smell Munchkin, our other master for the time, and see if maybe the smells on him on her. And no, it, it would never it never would smell like that. Like it had to be like he was I mean, his we brought his ashes home, so ten to one he probably is still around, like stuck to them or something well so what they normally do is they um they will they will cross over usually immediately because either a person or a pet in spirit will come to meet them and then they will help them cross and once they cross over then they have the ability to come right back they have the ability to come back and give signs so often what happens after a dog or a cat passes away is that they tend to come back pretty quickly to visit in order to give signs to let us know they're okay. And that's what your that's what your dog was doing with your wife. Um, and it takes a lot of energy uh, to create a scent, just as it does to create an appearance. And I'm a scientist in my day job, a meteorologist. So all of my books are use energy as a foundation to explain how they get strong enough, what kind of energy they use, and, and how they communicate. Oh, I, was gonna, I was actually going to ask that pretty soon, like what kind of scientist you were and meteorologist that sums up right there. So don't blame me for the weather, but. <laughs> I, I blame the alien matrix we live in for the weather. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. who to, the, the weather is crazy in the Northeast United States where I live. So it's just, it'll be raining, it'll be snowing one day and the next day it all melts in rain or sun. So it makes no sense, but it's, winters aren't the same anymore, but. That's just me. Yeah, no, they're not. I actually grew up in Massachusetts, and um, oh, that's where I live. Oh well, they see there you go. <laughs> and I remember, uh, I remember four foot snows, in, especially nineteen seventy eight. The blizzard of nineteen seventy eight was uh, traumatic. Um, they don't have those anymore, really. Um, uh, just once in a, once in a great while, those massive storms, but. Back in the 70s and um, even the 80s, the snow would stay on the ground throughout most of the winter. We don't have that anymore. No, we really don't. I mean, it seems like here, as soon as it all melts, we get a little more. But I mean, which is, which, which is I prefer it that way, honestly. I don't even bother snowballing my driveway anymore because within a week, it'll be melted. So just why, why, no, one comes, no one comes to my house anyway, so why bother snowballing it? My car, <laughs> my car, my car can handle it. So, <laughs> but... Well, that's climate change in action for sure. Yeah, whoever, whoever said global warming is not a real thing. But so, my second question always is, mm -hmm. what kind of encounters have you had, whether they be ghost, spirit, 
alien extraterrestrial list goes on but i have a feeling you're going to be more in the first category than anything but you may surprise me um so i've had encounters with a number of different things um first of all it, it i i def, i have a definition for earthbounds versus people and pets that have crossed over so that was the foundation of my first book called ghosts versus spirits i consider ghosts earthbound and they choose to stay earthbound um, spirits are the ones that cross over they join the energy of the universe um heaven valhalla paradise whatever you want to call the other side and there's a big difference and i've learned by by communicating with both that um first of all when we pass the energies that are within us the physical energies if you think of cell splitting if you think of blood pumping and so forth when that body comes to an end that energy combines with memories personality and knowledge of this life and then we choose we choose to either stay at a fixed location here on earth one that we're usually familiar with unless it's an accident or we're uh, we're killed there by uh, or, or we die there um or we cross over and join heaven or paradise or whatever um ghosts are limited to communicating only within the place they chose so that's why houses are haunted people that usually either uh, were raised in a house or died in a house um, choose to stay in that particular house um, that's why prisons prisons are, are haunted people who die in prisons stay behind um, they stay there in the, in the prison and one interesting thing uh, Jeremy that I learned about ghosts is that a number of them choose to stay behind because they're afraid of crossing over when we die we get kind of a life review if you read about near-death experiences um you know people will will talk about a life review quick flash of a life review and if they see something that they did wrong in life that they think they're going to be judged on they will stay behind as an earthbound ghost for fear of what's on the other side yeah oh. what i've learned though is that there is no there is nothing to fear on the other side it's all love and acceptance and peace but there are different levels of the other side so there can be i i think um in japanese lore there are seven levels um i've heard of three levels um and i just go by three because that's what i've i'm used to hearing um my own aunt was on the lowest level on the other side who begged for forgiveness um from my mother for 25 years <laughs> that's another that's a story in itself yeah. um, but uh, i have encountered uh poltergeist activity which is simulating a a ghost using the energy of the mind using emotional energy and in the i think four or five cases i've been on that we've figured out was poltergeist activity it all came from teenagers whether boy or girl interesting and yeah as far as near-death experiences go i've had two or three on the show before and they all have different i mean it, it amazes me because they all have different versions of what happens after you pass like they all have different stories basically to tell of what happened to them and it's it's always different and that's just like which kind of makes me think is our afterlife kind of based on what we expect it to be and is it our mind just projecting things out there into the world which, yeah, I just read a great book called After, and I can't remember the name of the doctor that wrote it. He studied near-death experiences for 40 years, and he came to a conclusion that some of them will, uh, some of our, our our beliefs will influence some of the near-death experiences, um, but others um, re report seeing themselves out of their own bodies, looking at themselves on an operating table, one of the one fascinating chapter in in his book and i don't remember his name but was from a woman who died who died on the operating table and she remembers seeing her doctor look like he was flapping his arms but it was something it was a practice that he did um to get his gloves on correctly and nobody would know that unless they were in the operating room and she was out so 
Hmm. <laughs> so the doctor was kind of freaked out by that. But so that's an interesting uh, near death experience. Yeah, I mean, it's they're always different. I mean, I've had ones hmm. where it's, I had one where he talked to a shadowy figure behind in a door of light when he was sitting in a room of darkness and he was just talking to this figure for it seemed like days about his life and about what he could do better and if he wanted to go it was his choice if he wanted to come back or not of course and the other ones i cannot think of off the top of my head because they were a long time ago i interviewed them but it's just they've always been different that part always stuck out to me and and you also i mean you you, make, you keep mentioning uh heaven valhalla whatever you whatever you want to call the overworld i'll call it i guess sure but have you heard what do you think about the idea of like an underworld whether you want to call it hell hades take your pick but um i just think that's the lowest level of the afterlife um so it because my aunt came through she was kind of stuck there because she she did some things a lot of things that she regretted in life and although she crossed over she stayed in the lowest level and people on the lowest level um it's i guess it's kind of like the idea of I don't know, purgatory or something, but, but it's, but people can certainly move up from the other side, but all they need is forgiveness and they need to forgive themselves. They need forgiveness from people. Sometimes living people. Um, I don't, I have not encountered anybody that that's gone to a bad place. So you never encountered a demon for lack of a better word. No, but I do have, uh, I do have a theory about that, though, about demons. Um, Interesting. Uh, as a scientist, I'm going to pull out my scientist hat here. <laughs> um, I know that that uh, that uh, astrophysicists have have uh, discovered over 5,000 exoplanets. An exoplanet is a planet that orbits another star. Yeah. I know that there are another 4,800 that have yet been have not yet been cataloged, um, and uh, several of them are what's in what's called the Goldilocks zone. The Goldilocks zone is actually the posi position, the proper position away from a star <clears throat> to support life. And that's where the Earth is. The Earth sits in what's called the Goldilocks zone um, in our solar system. So um, that said, and we already found water on uh, like Jupiter, some of Jupiter's moons and water throughout other planets in the solar system. So we know water is the key to life. So is carbon. Um, so life has to exist somewhere else. So as a scientist, um, I, I really, I know that we're not alone. <laughs> um, but I think these are energies of life forms from other solar systems or other, other universes that come here. And when they come here and they see us, they think, wow, those are hostile, strange looking things. Uh, I'm going to be on the defensive. So they act like a cornered animal, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really what a, a demon is. That's just my my opinion. But um, but I do know that there there's got to be life on you know on other planets. There's too many of them. Oh, 100 percent. I I mean, anybody who tries to tell me these days that there's not life in other planets, I have to ask them, are you did you are you educated? Like, do you not realize <laughs> the probability of they're not being life in other planets like yeah. it's really low but it just but if that's your idea if that's your theory on de what demons are mm -hmm. how does that explain well how would you explain possessions then in some way like, um, i think possessions are uh, possessions can be uh enabled if people have a, like a weaker mind like they that they don't they don't have any faith in themselves um, they have a very very low willpower um you know it's just like it's just like scammers preying on people who uh, don't take the time to look into things really um anybody can be manipulated it just depends on how how resistant you are um uh, and and i will say that in terms of the religious aspect of it I'm not a religious guy, but I will tell you that there is something in the power of prayer because prayer is a positive emotional energy. So when you have a negative entity like that, that tries to take possession of somebody, 
and you use prayer, that's a positive emotional energy that's countering it. So that's how I can understand that that prayer will help with anything that's um, any bad entity that's trying to take somebody over. Yeah, because I mean, technically, prayer isn't about really even praying to like a higher power of any kind. It's just about believing yeah. in yourself, but not that you have the power to repel something. Exactly. Or that you, yeah. you have the you have the power to have, or it's to give you good luck or boost your confidence a little. Like I could I could understand that. That makes sense. And yeah, I mean, I guess I mean possession also. I mean, because to me, it's not just the other planets; it's other dimensions that we'd worry about more. Because mm -hmm. sure. I. I don't know if you heard that this episode, but I talked to a astral projection and lucid dreaming expert who experiences it all the time. And he basically said that like, there's a lot of other dimensions out there and he's been to a lot of them. And some of them you get the pleasant feeling from you, you see other beings there and you don't get bad feelings about them. You feel like they're good beings, but he said some of these dimensions you go, you see some of these beings and they're, they horrify you. Like they, just like not, he can't, he couldn't even describe what they look like, but they're just horrifying. Some of them are huge. That's the one thing he did say that some of them are huge. Like, so I think a lot of it is interdimensional beings as well, which that would explain what why possession can happen if it's a being from another dimension and we can't even see it. They just can kind of go into our bodies or sure. go into our minds. Which yeah, I mean, you know, people used to think that when you got sick, um, that you were possessed by a demon. You know, way back in ancient times, when they couldn't understand why people were having delusions, um, so uh, but and that was a back that was a that was a, an actual bacterial thing. So it could be a life form from another, you know, dimension or whatever could could certainly react the same way. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, but which to me, I mean, that's just one of my many ideas on how, why these things that happen happen. <laughs> but there's a lot I mean, of about. <laughs> oh, I, trust me. <laughs> there are nights out there, they're in bed just thinking about these things. I've been, and I'll be like three hours now. I won't even realize it went by. But <laughs> oh my gosh, you need a Benadryl. Knock yourself out. <laughs> uh, I have a smokable version of that, but not <laughs> But so, and also, was there's there something else you mentioned that I wanted to touch on, but. Well, yeah, I mean, when you said that we don't get judged necessarily when we go to an afterlife, we don't, there's no one there judging us. There's no, our heart against the weight of a feather like the ancient Egyptians thought, or mm -hmm. there's no, or there's, there's no meaning St. Peter at the pearly gate telling them to read a list of your sins. Like, it's just, you, you, you basically are judged on what's in your heart. That's what you're saying, right? Like, you, you get judged based on what you think of yourself. Yeah, that's what people seem to say. And I mean, they do talk about, um, they, the only thing they've alluded to with me is that they, they've met, um, it seems like an entity that is just radiating love and acceptance. So you can call that what you want, you know, if, you know, religious people would call it maybe God, but, um, or, or just call it positive energy. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not religious myself either. So, I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't even know what to begin with. I would probably call him Thanos or something just for fun but right, there you go. <laughs> I'm a big comic book fan by the way oh well there you go yeah I got about I got a couple thousand of them sitting in the basement so <laughs> me too I... <laughs> so so one thing speaking of comic books one thing that's interesting that that I do whenever I go on paranormal investigations is when I was a kid I used to draw and write my own comics so that talent has come in handy because when I go on paranormal investigations I'm actually able to sketch out what the ghost is that I'm talking to. And um, in my books, in all of my books, except for the pets books, um, you'll see my sketches of what the ghosts look like. And, and quite a few times I have, I've found the actual person. I found a picture of the actual person and uh, put them side by side. Um, and it's pretty crazy. I would imagine, yeah. I mean, that's that that's unique. I've never met anybody else that says they did that investigation. I've talked to a lot of paranormal investigators. That's very unique. That's kind of cool. It's kind of like being a. Uh, I mean, you almost got a job with the police doing that, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's, except it's already too late. You know, they're well, they're, yeah, we're already dead. <laughs> well, I mean, 
it's always eh, it's always a chance to solve crimes after they happen and put the right person away but well this is true um actually a, a relative of mine i found out used to help solve um uh, murders in massachusetts in eastern massachusetts uh, before i was born so huh. interesting i don't quite have that ability um and and frankly even though i communicate with people as earthbound ghosts or spirits that have crossed over i decided last year or the year or two, two years ago that i only wanted to communicate with pets who have crossed over i didn't i don't want to do readings for people who have crossed over um because pets are just full of love and people have too many hang-ups <laughs> so um the there was one reading that actually really disturbed me the last human reading i did and a woman had just written me and asked me to communicate with her dad and um her dad although he crossed over he was he confessed to being physically abusive and other horrible things and i had to put this in an email to her and i you know i don't know her i don't know where she lives i only knew her first name and i only had her, the picture of her father and she confirmed every single thing and and i told her this was so disturbing to me that i'm just going to stick with pets well i can't blame you i mean i i'm sure that was a shocking experience and a half just having to talk to someone like that even if they die and just the fact that they're reliving those memories with you even if, especially those bad memories like you, even if they didn't think of them as bad they're still horrible memories like that's just sad yeah yeah and he wanted forgiveness of course but um oh. so uh, but I have encountered a lot of ghosts whenever I go on vacation. And that's that's the topic of one of my three series of books. Um, so I have three series of books. One is Pets in the Afterlife, and I have four books in that series. The other one is Ghosts and Spirits, and there are four books in that series. Um, and then the other one is Ghosts on a Medium's Vacation, because whenever I take a vacation, there are a lot of dead people that want to talk to me. Yeah, it's, it seems to be a theme. Uh, one of my <laughs> first one of my first guests in the show was an author who wrote. Uh, it's a fiction book she wrote, but she based it on real life stories from mediums and psychics. And like that, that seemed to be that was like a theme in the book is that he was a uh, getting attacked by ghosts constantly in the first book until he until his spirit his brother who was a spirit learned like learned to defend him. So it was uh, it seems to be an ongoing thing but so but yeah let's let's kind of talk about pets in the afterlife series because okay you you wrote four of them which kind of like i was like there's that much i mean yeah i'm sure there's different stories and experiences <laughs> but like there's actually like that much science behind all of it to write that many books about it yeah there's <clears throat> there's quite a bit so um the the books each of the four books are uh somewhat different so the first book is really has a lot of the science in it it, I explain the science of energy um, that we touched upon earlier, but I also explain the science of of uh, learning. How dogs? I use dogs as a baseline because the gentleman that I've read up that uh, that I referenced rather, Stanley Corin, um, wrote a number of books about the intelligence of dogs and how dogs think. So he concluded that dogs have the intelligence of a three to five year old human child. As such they have the ability to communicate what they've learned. So they can, if you think, if you think about it as a dog dad, you know, they know language, they know words, they know routine. Um, they know when you're happy, they know when you're sad, they know when you're sick, they pay attention to you and they know when you're not happy, uh, when you're mad at them and then they don't hang around. <laughs> um, so they, dogs are very observant. Cats are too. Um, and what they do is they use that information to, to communicate with us the way that they usually did when they were alive. So some of the ways that pets communicate is you may hear signs, uh, you may hear sounds like nails on the floor, you may hear a collar jingle, you may hear a bark or a meow that sounds like it's coming from a different room. Um, they may lead you to a pet that looks like them. Um, there's a whole host of things that they can do so and book one also has chapters by three other medium friends of mine who have also communicated with their dogs um 
Book two, book two is really, it, it's about all domesticated animals, cats, dogs, birds, horses, gerbils, rabbits. Um, and I've communicated with all of those. Um, and pets three and four, pets three is exclusively dogs and pets four is that just came out um, January 10th this, of this year, 2023 is about cats. So they're all a little different. Yeah. And so gerbils, though, I mean, they actually are intelligent enough to, like, talk to in the afterlife in a way. I know. It's surprising, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't think. But any living thing uh, knows enough to, you know, to eat, um, to seek shelter. <clears throat> they, they can look around and they can convey what they're seeing. Um, they can remember words to a, to a degree. <clears throat> um, they can, of course, sense temperature. So there's a lot of instinctual things going on there as well. Um, granted, the communications from something like a gerbil um, would be very minimal, but there are enough things that can give a unique sign to let me know that I'm talking to a specific animal. Yeah, which I mean, well, I mean, I, I grew up having guinea pigs, so I kind of, I get that they have some form of intelligence, at least guinea pigs did. I mean, I always thought dribbles and hamsters were a little lower, but I mean, guinea pigs are like the most intelligent of those families of rodents. And I mean, they, you could tell they have emotions. You could tell when they need something or want something like just the way they look at you or trip at you basically. But I mean, so I, I kind of make sense. Yeah. So, um, at, at a lot of times, though, um, I have been asked about horses because <clears throat> a lot of people have horses <clears throat> in different yeah. parts of the country. And and horses are very intelligent. Uh, they're very they're very intuitive. Um, one gentleman that I just met at one of my last events told me that uh, that he has quite a number of horses and his favorite horse passed away. And he was very distraught over the passing of his horse. And within two weeks of the horse's passing he was in the barn with all of the horses but he heard the distinct whinny of the horse that passed away on the other side of the barn so he said he he knew that his horse had passed away and all his horses were accounted for in front of him but he still went out to check and um and it, of course it stopped as soon as, soon as he neared but um of course but he knew that horse was was there giving him a sign to let him know that that he was okay yeah and you're you're actually you're actually at the first um second i talked to that could talk to horses and horses i mean i, I can imagine they would be very intelligent they i the the woman we got our mastiffs from uh breeds race horses too and races and uses them for racing actually but so the like we used to spend a little bit of time with the horses because my daughter would love to see them and it's just interesting how their personalities are all so different. Like each one has its own like traits, and it's amazing. It's they're. I always like. I, I mean, I always was. I always was going through that like horses. Like I, even growing up, like going horseback riding was like one of my favorite things to do, like for school field trips and stuff. So, they are magnificent animals. Do I want to own one? God no. But <laughs> <laughs> too too expensive for me. But. And and they can sense, you know, who is a um, whose energy works with them. Um, sometimes, if you get an unruly horse, what appears to be an unruly horse, um, it's it's that the horse's energy is not matching yours. So they that's their instinct. Um, but they're really uh, they're really intuitive. Yeah, it's funny. My wife says with our newest mastiff that we have, that's about four months old now, that like that his energy must match mine because we're both so lazy because he instantly is always attracted to me and he he always wants to like just sit in the couch behind me or next to me while i'm watching tv and whatnot so like his energy and mine are very in sync i'll open his I'll open their cages to go let him out and he won't even want to get out of his cage he'll just be laying there for the longest time till he finally pops his head up he's just living he's just living the high life you know <laughs> taking it easy <laughs> tell me about it and he just and he never needs a leash. He doesn't really need a leash ever, like if we're home. He'll just follow you around. And then if you tell him, come on, time to go back in, he'll go right back in. Like he's 
Unlike my, unlike my older one, who is a freaking nut, and if I took her off a leash, she would try to kill our chickens again, or run to the road after a car. Like she's just not that intelligent. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they, everybody has their own personalities. That's for sure. Oh, she's I call I tell her, she's a goof. I tell her all the time she's just a big doofus. Like she'll, she'll <laughs> just the way she walks, the way she looks at you, she's a big doofus. But you gotta love them, no matter what. Unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, she's hopefully she'll be a good mommy someday. I hope. So have have you noticed that your uh, your two dogs um, have stared at like the corner of a room or even stared up toward the ceiling at any point in time after your other dog passed away? Um, well, not so much just after the other dog passed away because I do live in a house that has a spirit in it. Oh, so or I guess you would call him a ghost, but um, I he. And it's the person who originally built the house back in the 60s, and he still resides here. I've had multiple psychics, mediums be able to sense him just talking to me on my show. Or I even had paranormal, I, before I started the show, even I had paranormal investigators come in and, and, and look into it. And they, we communicated with him, and they, they, believe, they believed his wife is here too, though no one has confirmed that since. So I'm not sure how many we have, but he, he was. That spirit or that ghost was killing our chickens that when they were in the garage originally. Like oh my out, God. we would come out in the morning and find them like dead in the ground, like they're flattened, and we couldn't figure out why. Because there's no animals. They were inside the back of our garage. There was no animals getting in there at all, besides maybe a mouse or two. But the chickens would kill them anyway. And I mean, we th we had guinea hens too. We thought the guinea hens might be doing it, pushing them off the loft or something, but we don't we now I've had I've had memes confirm that it was him doing it because he doesn't think that chickens belong in the house wow okay. and apparently the, apparently the garage was his area too so he's very protective of his garage so, so did somebody try to cross him over i haven't yet i have had a couple offers and i'm still working on getting details confirmed out but i gotta get them crossed over just because it's i'd like to be able to put the dogs in the garage during the summer but mm -hmm. i mean but i but our the one when they our, our one dog was in there back in the late summer fall this year and she would scream bloody murder at night and they make us run out there because we like it's it sounded like someone was stabbing her or something or like kicking her like it was the worst sound I ever heard come out of her mouth. Oh my and gosh! We'd run out there and let her out of her cage and she would just run in the house at full speed like not looking back, not even waiting for us to see if we had food or anything like just running because. Something scared the crap out of her in that garage. Sounds like that ghost doesn't like any animals. Apparently not. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, from, I've because his relatives live all around us. I've asked like questions before, like, did he ever own a pet or did he have any kids? And they're like, no, no, like they never could have kids and uh -huh. they, they didn't have any pets. I don't, we don't, at least as far as I could tell, they didn't have any pets. So, but it's just, it's weird. I mean, I have to get something to clear him out because he's, yeah. a nuisance <laughs> to, to some degree i mean yeah he needs to pack his spiritual suitcase and cross over <laughs> yeah i mean if, if if you stay out of the garage he kind of leaves you alone but my wife does my wife does get creepy eerie feelings throughout the whole house and she's a yeah. little more sensitive to these things than i am so she's sensed it she senses when he's near a lot more than i do but though I, I was doing a show last week on someone else's podcast and one of the mediums on it was like yeah he's right there next to you in the room watching you and then like by the end of the show like oh yeah he left he he went back to wherever he likes to go oh so, my gosh it's it's an adventure but when you do a paranormal podcast it's kind of like a science show go it works well that's true <clears throat> he, and he knows you're talking about him <laughs> so. oh i'm sure i mean but that's why i never talk too bad about him he's just a nuisance that's all i'm not gonna say anything worse than that about him ever but <laughs> so, so there are um there are a number of other ways that that pets communicate that i haven't I haven't talked about um <clears throat> i was just gonna i was just gonna ask actually i'm like when you communicate with them do they actually like almost think like talk in human speak or like in a way or i was gonna ask like how that works because yeah it's okay. a good question so it it works in a number of different ways so um any words that a pet will learn during its lifetime, I, they will repeat to me. I can, because they can share that. To, you know, it's all telepathic. Um, for the most part, though, a lot of pets will um, show me images in my mind, or they will make me feel things. So 
often a pet will share uh, physical ailments that they had either during their life that they remembered or when they passed, you know, as they were passing. Um, so there was one instance where a woman had uh, four, four uh, Westies um, and each one of them died and she wasn't certain about any of their deaths, like the method of how, why they passed. So I did readings for each one of them and each one of them passed from different, uh, different things. Um, uh, one of them, uh, told me that they were, uh, bitten by a snake. And when I told her that she said, when I had that dog, I lived in a house with a big wooded area in the back. And I was always worried about snakes and I found him on the back porch. So that makes perfect sense. Um, so they were able to solve the mystery of their passings, which is, uh, interesting and comforting to the pet parent, at least, knowing that they didn't do anything wrong. Um, one of the most heartbreaking cases that I did was for a, a woman whose Cocker Spaniel puppy passed away. And um, she she wrote me and she told me that one night she was out, she was out with friends and her husband called her and said, you need to come home. The puppy's not feeling well. Something's going on. I don't understand. He ate dinner. He was fine. He went out back. Um, he came in. He was fine. And then suddenly he's not getting up. Um, there's something really wrong. So she came home and she um, she called the emergency vet. And they said, you can take him in right now or you can watch him for a couple of hours and then see how he's doing and then take him in. So she opted to watch the dog. Uh, well, the dog passed away within two hours. It's a puppy. And she didn't know what had happened. So when I communicated with the dog, the dog showed me that he would go outside and he would start eating different plants. Oh. And when I, I realized exactly that he was eating plants that were toxic to him and he was a puppy. Yeah. So he had, you know, his immune system wasn't really developed yet. So I looked up a list of toxic plants to dogs and I sent her the email with the whole reading and she wrote me back and she confirmed that there were quite a few plants in the backyard that were on that list. So she, she understood what had happened. And, and I said, you know, it's, it's not your fault. I mean, you, you didn't know. Obviously, if you knew, you would have taken the plants out or you would have not let the dog eat the plants. Um, and, you know, you have dogs and you know that you can't you can't watch them 24 seven, but you can steer them away from things as much. Oh, as you trust me, I just had to spend a couple almost a grand because the youngest master puppy decided to eat. Let's see a sock, part of his rope toy and a hair scrunchie. Oh my gosh. And the hair scrunchies on the kitchen counter. We didn't think he could reach that yet, but you know, Mastiff puppies are huge. So he got by his hind legs apparently and grabbed it at least enough to pull it off. But, <sighs> and I mean, they, I literally had to take him to the emergency vet and sit there while they injected him with a, something to make him hurl. And literally, I had to sit there and watch him on the floor hurling up all these things. I was like, what's that come out next? It's like a freaking magic show. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> like, uh, and I mean, he's eaten socks before, but usually he throws them up overnight. Like I'll find him in his cage the next morning, like thrown up. But it's just this time there's too much stuff down there, and it just didn't want to come up always. always. So that that cost me a good thousand dollars to figure out what was wrong with them, and then to take them to the emergency hospital to have that done. Because which I'm, I'm happy they thought of it, because any other place would have been like, oh, we need to perform surgery on them, and that would have been a couple grand. So yeah, sure. Wow, that's that's frightening. So now we watch him closely and make sure he doesn't eat anything. And we make sure all socks are out of the vicinity before he comes out. Because so. <laughs> he likes socks. I don't know why. Clean ones, dirty ones, he doesn't care. He just devours them. Well, we have a dachshund and he always likes to uh, to get my socks. If I put my socks down for one minute, they're gone. He just yeah. likes to take them with him and put them in his bed. <laughs> so. See, I don't our, know. Our, our older one, she would take clothes and like just go like chew on them and whatnot but she never would actually eat them unless she 
just never got the chance because we always caught her in time. But I'm pretty sure she, if she had the chance, she still wouldn't eat them necessarily. But she's also the doofus one, so she's the one I expect to do that. But, but I was gonna, and uh, it's funny you mentioned the snake bite thing because I was I was gonna ask because I I did I did know another psychic who talked to snakes before. Have you ever actually talked to snakes or? No, so I, you know, I draw the line. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's an old song back in the 1970s called I Don't Like Spiders and Snakes. And, and I'm all for that song because I just, they're, uh, they're disturbing to me. So I, I can't connect to them. I, okay. I, I would have the same line if I had this ability. I'm just saying, because I just don't, I was brought up to hate, I was brought up to fear snakes. So I kind of got over it now. I actually watched them on TV without shivering. But I mean, it's still to the point where I wouldn't want to have to touch one or, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Just no urge to ever do that with anything with snakes. My son yeah. wants, my, my, my eight-year-old son wants one as a pet. And I'm like, no freaking way in my house. Never happening. I'm like, we got your dogs. Be happy you got dogs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so since you talked about, since you talked with animals that have moved on though, do animals reincarnate? Do they the same as humans most likely do? From what I've been told? yeah, every actually, I've I've learned that every living thing does. So we all come back uh, because we all have that life energy in us. And uh, but but some people have asked me if their pet will come back during their lifetime, during their same lifetime. And and what I have found is the answer is no. Um, and the reason is because our pets like to wait for us on the other side. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so some people have reported that their newly adopted pet is showing a habit or two that their pet who passed had. And they think they, you know, they, they think it's the, 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 the dog is reincarnated or the cat is reincarnated. And the answer is that I've learned is no. Um, so what happens is when our dog or cat passes and we adopt another dog or cat, um, the dog or cat in spirit comes to visit and they train the new pet to do a habit or two that they had so that, that we would know that they're still around and they're training their new pet. Interesting. And actually, I, I, I mean, that kind of makes sense, but I can't think of anything in particular that uh, Moose would do that Harley did. But then again, he didn't really do any tricks. He was too young for that. He just kind of, he, he was a lazy dog too. He was a, as as the breeder said, he would be a TV dog because he would just watch it there on the couch all day with us and watch TV. But which kind of was true. I mean, actually, oh, I guess they are similar that way, kind of. But I think it's just big dogs are lazy because they're they know they're going to be big and they're not going to have a lot of they're gonna have a lot, not going to have a lot of energy to do things. So they burn energy so fast. Even my <laughs> even my master that's almost a year old now, all she does is run around for like five minutes and she gets so winded that she has to go lay down. Like it's just the way the way it is. But so I can give you an example of, of how that worked. Um, even with our own dogs. So back in 2020, we had uh, two dogs pass away. Uh, uh, our Weimaraner named Dolly. She was almost 16 years old, and she was my heart dog. She was the closest to me. Um, and our dachshund Franklin, who was 16 and a half. Ooh. Now, Franklin, being a dachshund, was very stubborn. <laughs> and Franklin had certain habits that um, were kind of annoying, but <laughs> but he was who he was. So um, when we, after they passed two years later uh, in 2022, we adopted a nine-year-old dachshund terrier mix. And this dog came from uh, apparently an abused family. So we're working through his issues right now. But he has five distinct habits that only Franklin had when Franklin was alive. Five. No other dog has those habits, including the ability to somehow get tangled up in his leash every time he walks. <laughs> Even that, and none of the other dogs do. And, and you know, and we have we have three dogs. Um, but this guy, this little guy, does it all the time. So we call him Franklin Jr. because we know that Franklin is actually guiding him to do some of the things that he used to do when he was alive. So we know Franklin's around. 
Huh. Inter it's that's amazing actually. That's just amazing. And yeah, I mean it's just yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. I I guess it, I don't know. Can it be that dogs are too young to really like if they haven't really learned any tricks at that point, like they really can't teach the next dog new tricks in a way? I mean, I guess you can't you can't teach a young dog new tricks. <laughs> everything. Well, I I think we can all learn new tricks at any age, really. But um, I I don't know. But but when we have spirits guiding us, so spirits will also guide us and influence us to look at something we talked about this a little earlier but to look at something at a certain time so they can also influence things in nature and that means that um they can influence birds or butterflies or something in nature that we see to behave erratically to let us know that they're around usually on a birthday the anniversary of their adoption or anniversary of their passing or any kind of holidays um one woman that I talked to told me that when her husband died, they, she had a groundhog that would came up came up to her window on her back porch and her sliding glass window and just stared in the house. And her husband used to stare at those or talk about those groundhogs all the time. So she knew that it was him sending that groundhog up there. And the groundhog did nothing but stand at the window for, she said, for about a good 15, 20 minutes. After her dog passed away because her dog would always go to the window and bark at the, the groundhog of course after the dog passed away that was the only other time that groundhog came up to the window and stood there for like 15 20 minutes so she knew that her husband had brought had brought the dog and they influenced that groundhog to come back interesting huh well i guess we'll have to wait because his his birth, his birth anniversary or his passing anniversary is nowhere near coming up anytime soon. So we'll have to wait for that to see if anything happens with that one. But before we wrap up, though, I did I did kind of want to go into your um, ghost on vacation books because that's that's interesting, especially that you wrote one about England, which that, that fascinates me because anywhere in Europe that someone can communicate with ghosts, it's always interesting because it's so much history there that did you ever talk like how many different uh, time periods did you get into with spirits there? Oh gosh, there were different centuries <laughs> that, that ranged from the uh, 1400s all the way up to the, I think 1900s, different wow. ghosts and different time periods. Um, so if you like history and you like ghosts, um, these are all the ghosts that I met when I went to England. And uh, and the book is full of history because I give you the history of the, the place that I visited. Um, and when I went to England in 2012, um, I went with my partner and um, he had a fascination with the Tudors, the Tudor period. That's yeah. um, I didn't know anything about England. So the trip was organized. I didn't know anything about it. I just said, you know, I'm, I'm going to I'll go on it um, and I'll just enjoy it as we go to different places. But every place we went, there was somebody dead that was trying to talk to me. Um, so Westminster Abbey was actually one of our first stops. And there's a monk that haunts Westminster Abbey. And I saw him. <laughs> there was, there were a bunch of other people. But one of the craziest things was we were standing looking at the tomb of Anne of Cleves, who was one of the, the, the wives of Henry VIII. Yes. And we were standing about 20 feet apart from each other. And um, at the very same time, somebody pulled our hair on the opposite sides. It was like somebody had a, a reach of 20 feet and pulled our hair at the very same time on facing each other. And, and he turned to me and I, I turned, turned to him and I said, somebody just pulled my hair. He said, somebody just pulled my hair. But there was nobody there. But hmm. that was a, a crazy encounter at Anne of Cleves' tomb in Westminster Abbey. Yeah, that, that would, I mean, that's, well, that's actually happened in my basement to my wife. Like, she'll be down there with the dogs or doing laundry or something. And all of a sudden, she'll feel someone pulling her hair, like, gently or someone, like, stroking her hair or someone like stroking her shoulder and it's obviously rally the spirit who lives with us but 
because I mean, I'll be on the other side of the room with like doing something, and she'll and she'll be like, something just touched me, and I'm like, I'm going over here. Don't blame me. <laughs> like, oh my God. So, and I I don't know. He it, he's a male ghost, so who knows? He definitely might be into or I don't know. It's what spirits do can be so strange, but true. But I mean. So, um, so the other the other book that I wrote too about uh, a medium's vacation is I went to Tombstone, Arizona. Are you familiar with Tombstone? I mean, I know the history of it a lot because I was always into the whole like the old West history, and I actually, I actually had to, I, one of my show reps just released a week or two ago. Uh, she was she's she's related to Billy the Kid, and oh, that's right, I heard that one. <laughs> yeah, and like I'm, I'm friends with her on Facebook, and she posts about it all the time about like people trying to fight over like the ancestral rights to his name and whatnot. It's, it's crazy, but, but yeah, she, so I know something about Tombstone. I've interviewed a few different people out there, but it's a very busy area from what I'm told. Yeah. And the, the, the most haunted place in Tombstone, as I found out was the birdcage theater. And, and I met 11 different ghosts there and all of them were confirmed by the people who live there. I mean, who work there and live there. Um, the uh, the people who, that work there know all the history of the different people that that lived there and died there, and they confirmed all of the ghosts that I met. And I have sketches. I think five, I think I sketched five ghosts, and and they knew who they were. So they're all in the book. Yeah, I think I actually heard a podcast episode a while back, a few years ago, where they went into detail about all the different spirits that live there still. But it's yeah. I mean, it, well, any place like that. I mean. The old west is kind of like the like Gettysburg is to the east coast, where it's like just a mm -hmm. huge area of spirits, ghosts that are stuck because they died in traumatic circumstances or they're stuck to where they were. Yeah, what and I can't I can't visit Gettysburg anymore. It's too traumatic for me. It's too uh, it's overwhelming. It's like being in a stadium with ten thousand people all screaming at you for your attention. So. Um, I you're not the first medium to tell me that, so I can definitely believe it. I mean, I could only imagine. See, and actually, that's that's the one question I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is, because I've had other, I've got this answer from other medium psychics before, but does anybody have the ability to be a medium, or is it only like the select few who get the gift? Uh, I believe that everybody does have the ability uh, up to different levels. Um, so if you go into a room of crowded people, uh, crowded room of people, and and you you'll always find someone that you want to say hello to. Conversely, you'll always find someone you want to be away from or avoid. And you're reading their energy. Um, mediums read the energy of people or pets who passed. So if you can read living energy, you can read the energy of people or pets who passed. And you just have to trust what you get. Yeah, which, I mean, personally, I can't read living energy because I've been i've judged people wrong my whole life and <laughs> not in, not in ways that have been good to me but you know i've just judged people wrong my whole life so i'm not i'm not going to be living or so i don't know how well i'd be living at sensing those that passed i'm one of those ones that always wanted to but never could like like why can't i have this ability but i've i've been told i have it but it's just so it's buried deep and it would take work to get it out but we'll see well, we all have different gifts, so um, exactly. Yep. My gift is to spread the message of those of those who have the gift. So I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. that. That's a great gift because not everybody can do that. So I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But one last question because I just thought of it and I have to ask: Have you ever possibly encountered the ghost of a Bigfoot or another type of or any other cryptid? in your travels? No, I have not. Um, because I've really stayed to residential places and, um, uh, and historic places like buildings and structures. So I've uh, never, I've never encountered anything outside. Interesting. All right. Uh, I mean, I, I can't blame you. I'm not an outdoors man myself, so I wouldn't want, I wouldn't be caught walking through the woods for no reason anyway, but so I, I get that. It makes sense. I just had to ask, cause you know, if someone could, if someone could talk to pets, then you never know. They go a bigfoot could always came through if it sure. was just in a, if you were in a, like a for a wooded area or something. But eh. but before I let you go, 
one, thank you for coming on. It's been an amazingly interesting episode, and I can't wait for my listeners to hear it. And two, where can people where can people find you? Where can they find your books? Um, people can find my books on Amazon.com, and all I have to do is type in G U T R O Gutro, and uh, my books will come up. I have ten of them. Um, and uh, it, they can also find me, my, my website online at robgutro.com or petspirits.com. That's probably easier to remember. Uh, it goes to the same place. And there's links to Amazon and so forth. So um, I also do pet readings. I do them by email. They're limited, but, uh, and I'm booked a year in advance. So, um, but I urge people to to pick up a copy of the book because that way you learn how pet readings uh, work and and how you can learn how to see signs from your own pet. So thank you. Well, well I encourage people to please check out these books. And actually, I do want to check out a couple of them at least and add them to my collection of books from people I interviewed that I never get time to read. But hopefully someday that will happen. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'll find the time someday. But I do I do have a collection going. So yeah. Never hurts to add more. Awesome. And of, of course, of course, I will post all those links on your, on the description for this episode as well. So people can just click and go. Which because I really hope people do look into them because they from what I from what I read, they all seem fascinating as could be to me. And to me at least. I mean, I can't speak for everybody in the world, but for me they seem very fascinating. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I, I, I tried to make them um easy to read. Um they're short enough um and uh, affordable. All of my books are under ten dollars because I'm self-published, so I can set the price as low as I can. So, which that's always a great thing because publishers like to mark things up ridiculously. But, yep. <laughs> but uh, I will thank you once again for coming on, Rob, and we will, and I hope, maybe we'll have you on again sometime because I mean, there's still a lot we can cover. I'm sure. Sure, it'd be great. I and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Fun. And to all my listeners, I will see you in half a week.